Greetings, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Hired Geek Podcast, episode number 101 with Valerie Hariska. Uh, so she is another return guest. Uh, always great talking with her. Uh, she's such a delight, and uh, it's really awesome to be able to catch up with her and share out this conversation uh, as we talked a bit more about her uh, transition recently uh, to the higher ed tech world. Uh, and then also just a lot that's changed with that job uh, this calendar year, uh, including uh, going remote uh, during the pandemic, but also a kind of merger acquisition um, with some other higher ed tech companies. So uh, there's lots to talk about. Really appreciate uh, what she shared uh, as advice for other folks who might be uh, considering a transition like this. So please do make sure to uh, get a notebook ready and jot down some notes and uh, feel free to reach out to me uh, if there's any questions that you have. I talk to people about this stuff a lot. Um, so I'm glad to kind of have like a platform here um, to have this conversation to kind of uh, inspire any uh, other folks that might be interested to learn more uh, about this sort of transition from traditional campus-based hybrid positions to uh, stuff uh, adjacent. So uh, without further ado, after this brief message from our sponsor, this is episode number 101 with Valerie Hruska. This episode is sponsored by Degree.me, a one-stop college research tool for students. If you work for a college or university, you'll want to learn all about their ability to connect you with the right students at a budget-friendly price find out more, please visit degree.me slash H-E-G. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much, Valerie, for jumping on the podcast again. I'm uh, starting to kind of revisit uh, some of my favorite guests from uh, prior uh, episodes of the Hired Geek podcast. We'll link out to your uh, prior episode on this show, which was uh, uh, three years ago, which is uh, wild to me. Um, one that this I've been doing this show for that long, but also I remember also recording the other podcast that I did for the Student Affairs Collective with you and like to, just a frequent uh, collaboration here. But I know you're always great to talk to you. So I'm super excited to uh, catch up with you and appreciate you taking the time. Oh, well, thanks for that. Um, it's always been fun to do these. So I'm happy to continue to do it as long as you'll have me. <laughs> yes, it is uh, much appreciated because I think like, you know, there's always like people who like reach out because they want to do it and maybe they haven't done podcasts before. And I, I just think like, you're just a very good like conversationalist for, you know, this and just knowing like, okay, who who's like really awesome before just to like, you know, fill out my calendar with people that I know would be like game for it and give like a really awesome conversation. So uh, yeah, super excited to uh, yeah. uh, dive in. So we'll, we'll kind of start to kind of catch up since we spoke last. Uh, so that's again, been uh, nearly three years since the other episode. So anybody who may have listened to that, kind of catching them up to where you are now, it's obviously mm -hmm. quite a bit of time. I think a lot has changed for you. So like kind of take us back from October of 2017 and sort of like the quick professional journey to how you got to be where you are today. Sure. You know, I was going to make the joke, um, by three years, you meant March of 2020. So. <laughs> <laughs> it, it sort of feels that way, right? For because <laughs> it is August 2020. Um, and so it feels like three years have actually happened. But you are referring to October 2017. <laughs> actual passage of time, right? Yeah. <laughs> actual passage of time. Uh, so back in 2017, gosh, I was still living in Bloomington, Indiana. And I was an assistant director um, in residence life working um, with student leadership and engagement. So I oversaw um, three residence halls and I supervised a slew of people. And then I had two graduate students, one who worked with Residence Hall Association and National Residence Hall Honorary, and then another one who worked um, 
which is now no longer um, our Community Leadership and Development Center. It just got uh, reinvented right before I left. Um, mm. Speaking of, yeah, it's a bummer because it was such a great initiative within the residence halls. And so I was kind of bummed to see it go. Yeah. So I know I'm just like, so yeah, it was really hard. Um, yeah. But hopefully, you know, they they made it into uh, something more awesome. Um, but I have no idea because I'm no longer there. So <laughs> in um, March of 2019, I left Indiana University and moved to the bustling metropolis, the hidden gem of Western New York, Buffalo, uh, to work as a consultant in student affairs assessment for what was then Campus Labs, but now we were recently acquired into a new company called Anthology. Look at all these changes that are happening. <laughs> um, and so that's where I am now. I've been working remote since March 15th, 2020. Um, so it's been fine. Um, my work has, I do have the ability to go completely remote. Um, I can't travel, but it's been nice just kind of like hanging out in Buffalo um, with mm -hmm. my pup and doing some really cool things. Um, and so I know another part of this question was how I got into my current role. Um, yes, yes. And so really there was a point, you know, in my residence life career where I was just like, there has to be something else. I knew deep down in my heart that I just didn't have the desire to be an associate director in residence life or director of residence life. It just, it just wasn't in my cards. It wasn't for me. And so I thought about everything that I had done as a whole within residence life. Like what were some of the committees I had been on? Um, what did I really enjoy doing? What did my strengths play to? And so when I thought about it, I was like, you know, I've always enjoyed working kind of in that technology realm. I was taking courses um, in instructional systems technology. So it was kind of serendipitous, if you will, uh, for me to make this move. Um, I did reach out to a lot of people in my network who worked in kind of this capacity just for different companies. And I did some informational interviews and, you know, I had a former coworker from Boston University where I worked as a hall director who actually worked for Campus Labs. And I reached out to her and she was like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy you're interested. And so I just submitted my materials and they called me up and asked for an interview. They reached out to me on LinkedIn. So for those of you who don't think LinkedIn is worth it, it's worth it because an HR person will reach out to you to schedule um, an interview. And so it, I just, I came here. Um, in fact, I interviewed in February just so I can get a real taste of what Buffalo winters were like. Um, and it snowed, of course. And clearly I did not prepare by wearing the correct footwear. Um, <laughs> you should not wear flats or loafers uh, when it's snowing in Buffalo. And yeah, that's that's how I got here and where I am. So it's been really fun. Um, definitely a a welcoming change of pace. I sleep so much better at night, um, and I can shut my computer off at five and not worry about any on call emergencies. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a beautiful thing. It is um, a beautiful thing. Um, well, and I think too, like it's interesting. Um, I think. I guess because I was curious, like if you had sort of like any sort of um, 
you know, connection, like you knew somebody, some sort of like kind of degree of separation, which I think definitely helps to sort of normalize. Cause I think this is like a transition that's happening far more frequently, but does, I don't know, it's like, it can be intimidating to people of like, you know, even though it is a higher ed technology company, like I know I've found that, um, especially if you're like going into the right role or the right, you know, uh, the right organization, like it's going to feel familiar in all the right ways. Mm-hmm. And then like different in all the right ways, you know, like it is a very different culture. It's going to be different sort of like performance expectations. And then just like, like you said, where it's like probably a fairly seamless transition to be working entirely remotely, you know, because like most of the job is going to be happening, you know, digitally, but, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, that's uh, all really interesting stuff. Because I know for me, like I, I didn't have a direct in, but mm. um, you know, and, and I think I don't know. Like, it, it, we can get into some of the, like the you know more concrete advice and everything like that. But I'm kind of curious because even just in like the year and some change that you've been at Campus Labs, you know, there's been the change of like going remote and just the, uh, the acquisition and kind of the. Because I think that was also like super unique when I when I heard about it. It's oh, kind of like yeah. a, a merger and acquisition, like kind <laughs> of this like Voltroning of different like <laughs> higher companies of like the entire life cycle, which is like super exciting. I was very intrigued by it, but yeah. Um, so I guess maybe some of those details of just like because that kind of gets to like the transition. So obviously, like just in and of itself, it's you know it can be somewhat of a tumultuous transition for people <laughs> just for like the culture of the organization. But you've also gone through a couple of different things in your time there that could be sort of disruptive. So I guess just speaking to any of those sort of aspects of the uh, the time that you've been at Campus Labs. You know. Yeah, you know, um, so <laughs> I'm trying to um kind of put this into terms that if somebody who works in student affairs or on a college campus um, who's listening to this may be more familiar with. So I think about it like, let's say a new vice president for student affairs comes onto campus, campus and takes a look at the organizational chart. And I know that a lot of folks um, tend to kind of move things around and things like that. Um, So that's what I think of this change where we just have a new vice president for student affairs. Um, We are now larger. So um, we call legacy campus Labs, So old campus labs was about 250 to 300 employees that that's both remote and on site in Buffalo. The majority were on Buffalo. We, we have very few people who are remote. Mm -hmm. Um, and now we are a company of about, I think 1200 to 1400. So we just got some new best friends here. Um, Mm -hmm. and so my role specifically did not change. I just merged into what we have. We have, um, a student affairs side of the house and, um, a institutional side of the house, both working with assessment. And so me and my colleague just rolled into that larger assessment group. Um, that was literally the only change that happened to us. Um, and, and like our team changed from campus success to um, education and adoption. So it's very interesting and very fascinating. Um, I am cautiously optimistic. I think, um, you know, we're still in the very beginnings of change. And I think similarly, if you were to move from, let's say, um, an auxiliary to then become part of a dean of students, you would notice some changes too. Um but, you know, we're just learning and we're growing. Um, but so far, you know, a lot of our, I think a lot of hesitation and anxiety was around what our campuses would think about this. But honestly, it really does not have any effect on them. They are still, you know, within my product lines. I'm still their consultant and they're still getting the same, um, you know, service and 
and help that they would get even if we didn't go through this. So um, it's more internal right now, but you know, again, cautiously optimistic. Um, I think this could just mean better things um, because we are part of a larger organization. So I think this is all very positive and we're moving in a really good direction. Um, but I have learned <laughs> that you need to really pack your patience um, because um, with a bigger organization, you just have to uh, be patient with the communication. Again, things are always changing, um, which is great. And sometimes not so great, depending on how you look at it. Um, but, you know, you just have to be patient. And I think my team has done a really good job of um, communicating what they know in a very timely and good fashion manner. So it, it's been a very smooth transition, I will say, at least from my end. I don't know about other departments, but mine has been very good. Right. Yeah. And I think that, that's such a good way that you captured it. Cause I think that, that like, it made sense to me. I mean, like yeah. I haven't gone through anything like that. Um, yeah. I mean, in my, cause like for me, like the only relevance I have is almost like going the other way. So like my prior role was at a tech company that mm-hmm. was like, yeah, hundreds of employees. Like I think they broke a thousand, they were like acquiring other companies and you know, uh, that sort of thing. And then jumped to a place where we're now yeah, in a couple of hundreds. So, um, that was like an, an interesting shift, but it, it's like we're trending towards where I was. So it's just like, oh, yeah, you know, this old kind of like, you know, this old hat, like it feels familiar of just like the things and, you know, that we're trying to put in place and all that. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously like that idea of being like cautiously optimistic, because I'm sure it's just like there's still a lot of things to figure out. Like you oh, are yeah. like merging the cultures of, you know, uh, three different organizations and everything. So it's just like it's hard to say like, yep, everything's figured out and it's a OK. And like it's great. Oh, it's just okay. like, I mean, there's a lot that we don't know. So it's like but I guess like it sounds like what they've done so far has been, you know, good and reassuring that they probably have the uh, the right point of view of to how to get this sort of whole complex system to, you know, feel uh, seamless. And yeah. That, so, and and yeah. things you don't, I think, ever think about like health insurance. So now that we're part of this big company, mm. like what are we going to do about like our health insurance right now is staying the same, but who knows come January one, you know, what's going to happen because we're now one big company and we have people all over the world, which is fascinating too. I find I have colleagues in India, the UK. So I'm like, yeah, when do we get to go there? Like, <laughs> <laughs> That would be awesome, but I don't think that's in my cards right now. Right, right. Um, no, no, and yeah, and I mean, I guess that's interesting. And I get one more thing to sort of like hit on. I mean, just to not assume, I get you know, you sort of spoke about it briefly of like the transition to uh, remote work, you know, back in March. So, like, what has that process been? I mean, maybe just even for yourself and or you know uh, your team, like you know, whole organization. Because I, again, I, I presume that it was maybe more seamless than it might've been for folks who are working on campuses who just don't really have any um, shorthand for this whatsoever. But. Yeah. Um, it made me realize that I really truly do need a home office. I'm currently broadcasting <laughs> live from my kitchen table, which is really bad because if you have snacks, you constantly want them, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but endless supply of coffee. So that's good. Um, you know, from, it really was, um, a an easy transition you know since um some of our team members are remote we were used to having like all like remote calls with them anyway even though we could have been in a room but they were always on the phone anyway um i think and similarly to online courses you really have to be good with communication and um, manage your time effectively i think that's kind of been 
uh, one of the tricky things um, because you don't have that face-to-face -face interaction. You have to be able to interpret someone's email versus talking to them in the hallway. So um, luckily, again, I work with a really great team. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think um, it's been challenging for me. Um, I am building my home office right now, so we'll see what happens. I can't wait for my new desk chair because these kitchen chairs are not the best. <laughs> Right, right. But yeah, no, it's been it's been fairly easy. Um, I I know I just got an email saying that our office probably isn't going to open up um, anytime before January 2021. So I'm in it for the long haul. So here we are. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, I my current role is remote by design. So like, I you know had a nice desk set up in an office in my prior role. And like now when I started to, I was just like, basically, can I have this, but at home? Yeah. And like, I like, you know, got all this stuff like super early. Cause yeah, I'm like, you know, and I'm glad that some people are like embracing it. Cause it, you know, it makes sense just to have a space, even if it's yeah. just like, well, you know, if I'm like working on personal stuff, it just is a little bit more comfortable, productive, whatever. Um, but um, yeah, huge advocate for just like remote work in general and just like optimizing your unique personal workspace and that sort of thing of just like, yeah, whatever chair you want, whatever desk you want, like That's you want right. lights or this, that, the other thing. So I keep uh, trying to like kind of continuously improve my setup as well, especially yeah. with like webcam lights and like a more fancy webcam and just the, you know, the whole deal. So um, Do you know how many houseplants I plan on putting on my desk? The answer is mm. a lot. <laughs> Yes, yes. That's what I, I'm like hurting for that. My wife is kind of the, uh, you know, uh, botanist or, you know, whatever you yeah. would call it uh, in our house. So like they're, they're all in our bedroom on like some of our big windowsills in our apartment. Um, but it's like, there's no plants in here. That would be nice, actually. Um, but, uh, yeah. Um, so just to sort of like wrap up this point, though, like I think this is sort of the big question. So, you know, again, especially with everything going on with campuses and maybe people experiencing uh, furloughs or uh, layoffs and those sort of things, it's. I think on a lot of people's minds, I've been talking to a lot of people, um, you know, about making these sort of transitions. I, I, I do it often anyway, but especially more so now. So like, what advice would you give to somebody who is thinking about making this transition? So anything that comes to mind, comes to mind about like looking for the right organizations, the right role, or just sort of how to like best present yourself when you're moving from a campus-based role to a, a tech role? Yeah, I would say reach out to your network. Um, similarly to what I did, I just looked at folks on my LinkedIn who I did have a good relationship with because sometimes you just get people who just want to connect with you just to connect with you. But um, there were uh, former student affairs professionals that had then moved into these spaces. And so I just reached out, um, just trying to get enough information that I could, um, you know, about the company, about the role. Um, and don't ever sell yourself short. I think that's really good advice as well. Um, I had 10 years in residence life and here I am as a assessment, uh, an adoption um, assessment consultant. I didn't have like a full background in assessment. I sat on tons of assessment committees and I still um, was very involved in the bigger student affairs outside of my residence life bubble. So I think the more you can kind of dig into that, the better off you'll be. There are folks, um, I think anthology is one in the unique position of having specifically student affairs, but I think about companies like uh, RoomPack or eRes Life or, or any of those um, higher ed adjacent um, platforms that your experience could absolutely be super helpful to them. Um, 
So I would just say, or excuse me, presence is another one. Um, right, I would you. say, sorry, I'm trying to think of all of them off the top of my head. Campus, <laughs> campus groups. <laughs> um, so I would just say, you know, don't ever sell yourself short because your experience can be like super transferable. Um, and yeah, just continue to network yourself. Um, you may think that this is, you know, the answer to escaping whatever uh, you are not liking about your current role. However, you know, like the saying is, the grass isn't always greener. It's always only greener in different places. Um, and that's true. You know, I do enjoy the work that I do, but there are absolutely some things I miss about working on campus. So you just have to um, be willing to have that honest conversation with yourself. Is this definitely the right move for me if so cool reach out i'll be happy to talk to you about my role um and mm -hmm. i'm sure many of the colleagues um who have made the transition would be as well yeah well and i think too like what you're saying like um because it made me think of something that i've brought up with people pretty frequently because especially when we're recruiting for our team and we do really look for you know higher ed people student affairs background um because we really value that uh point of view and the the work that we do, which is student affairs work, just in a different modality, um, is trying to be scrutinizing about the people who are just trying to escape something. Like yeah. that's not necessarily like a super compelling reason to like hire somebody. So like, you know, kind of uh, uh, fine tuning and contouring, you know, your narrative of kind of your professional journey um, to make sure that it's clear, like, okay, why now? Why this, yep. you know, perhaps really unique job in this different company, you know, with a different culture and everything. Um because, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that I got the chance to make this transition in my first job because it was a lot of transferable skills. I'd only worked in res life. It was a basically like a student success coach job for online students. And, you know, because obviously I'd worked with students, I'd be able to build rapport and just be, you know, empathetic and all those things. And it was, you know, uh, compelling for them to be able to, to hire me on and uh, did that work for over two years, which then kind of parlayed into what I do now and all that. But like, you know, uh, I think I've seen sometimes, especially now, where it's, I think there's the temptation of just sort of like, like, well, you know, everything's bad at where I'm at, so I just want something different. And remote work sounds really appealing, or something, you know, like, and I don't like as almost cavalier about you know what could be, like you said, like it's not going to just solve all your problems. Like there's going to be other right. crap that you're probably going to be like annoyed <laughs> with in just job, even though there's like, it's like, Oh, it's remote and it's flexible and like innovative and a growing company. That's all great. But then there's still other stuff that's maybe not going to be, you know, uh, appealing to you. And I'm sure some people also might be turned off of just sort of like it being a business and the way yeah. that sometimes decisions need to be made could be, you know, a turnoff for some people. But, um, I know for me, it, it's been refreshing, um, how much like, metrics drive decisions in terms of like performance evaluations and just like, you know, honoring the the hard work that people put in and like really, um, you know, rewarding that. So I think that's been uh, really valuable. But yeah, I mean, definitely the core of it of like your campus-based experience is valuable. It is so uh, relevant to the work that these like higher tech companies and other organizations are doing. So um, do not sell yourself short is absolutely yeah. <laughs> uh, good advice. So I mean, you bring up you bring up a really good point about you know there are some things that you're really gonna hate. You learn a lot when you at least I did uh, when you transition from campus life to this business world. Oh my gosh, you learn things that you're like, what? <laughs> the business it's told it's completely different. So yeah. be prepared for when that. I, <laughs> yeah, when I think what's funny though too is like any of the things that might have frustrated you about working on a campus are then almost kind of like amplified or just sort yep. of like they're not going away because most likely you're going to an organization that is working with campuses so like you're on the outside and now you're like viewed as like the other you know like you're this outside party and um i think some people are uh 
you know, they just sort of bristle at, you know, uh, if they're like, especially in my experience, it's like the person who's sort of like the frontline, like academic advisor that's expected to use this platform or do this, that, and the other thing. It's like, well, like my dean signed this partnership. I don't even know what this is. I don't know. Like, and like, you're trying to help them because it's like, oh, this is my job is to like help with this sort of like implementation or, you know, just like the student success or whatever. But like, I don't know, it could just be like interesting at times for people where it's like, well, you know, you're on the outside and working with people that, you might have like just the culture of the academy and how things get done and budgets and all that. It's like, well, that's not going away. So like, you know, if that's what's frustrating you, it's like, you might want to find, you know, something that's maybe further removed or whatever, but um, yeah. So all really interesting stuff. And yeah, just really good to, to think through. Cause I think, um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely would emphasize as well, like room packed presence, um, you know, some of those folks you know, I, I've worked with, I know them too, like, and just being able to kind of uh, vouch for them and their uh, really like higher ed point of view versus just like, oh, we're like a tech company that happens to work in higher ed. It's like, no, they, they've got really earnest, like people who, who know their stuff. So, oh yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but transitioning to, I guess, you know, certainly as we're all, you know, just working from home more and uh, just, uh, you know, isolating and quarantining and just having some uh, uh, more time to ourselves and our homes and everything. Uh, I'm curious because I do feel like, I, I, you know, I follow you on social media. I see kind of uh, the things that you get up, uh, get up to out and about or just at home. But like, you know, what are like you geeking out about right now? What are the hobbies that you're keeping yourself busy with? Because um, I feel like I know what your answers will be, but I'm curious to see like how you talk about them and what you feel like they're giving you uh, personally. I've acquired so many plants throughout quarantine. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's one of them that I thought. Yeah. Um. So I've always enjoyed plants, but so the um the Buffalo Botanical Gardens have their annual uh, sale. And you can get the most beautiful plants for like on the cheap. So of course, I brought thirty dollars worth of plants, and that came out to about six plants. And then I got my ultimate dream plant, my Arabica coffee plant, <laughs> which people ask me. They're like, "Hey, how many? Like, how long until you get any uh, fruit?" And I said, "It's gonna be like five years." And I could probably use another one or three more of them to actually produce a cup of coffee. So it's very, it's a great little plant, but it's not going to uh, fulfill my caffeinated dreams. So that's a bummer. Um, <laughs> um, I have been keeping, you know, I think a lot about um, kind of folks' mental health and mental well-being during all of this. Mm-hmm. How do you keep sane when, you know, you can't really see some of the people you really care about? Um, I know for me, my family is in New Jersey, but um, I can't really see them because uh, my mom works at a hospital. My aunt works at a hospital. My grandma, uh, you know, is very high risk. And, um, you know, my brother, you know, works really hard. And my two little nephews, you know, they are, uh, you know, nursery, uh, preschool and uh, like, first grade. So, you know, they have those too. So I think a lot about mental health. Um, but luckily my gym has been doing at home workouts. So, um, that's been really helpful for me. It's a pain, uh, but they recently started doing morning outdoor workouts. So that's been really awesome Mm -hmm. too. Um, experimenting with new coffees. (laughs) That's always a thing (laughs) and new tricks. Um, you know, I did, I, wasn't really gun ho on the sourdough starter to begin with. I like, I know a lot of people got on board with that, but um, I had it. It was very hard for me to keep up with it. 
so unfortunately it did not come to fruition for me mm. i mean i know it's a big bummer the best thing i made with my sourdough starter was pizza crust so i highly recommend mm. that and let's see what else happened oh i became vegetarian during mm. quarantine i know well so um you know, I just wanted to make sure that at the recommendation of my doctor, my, my primary care physician, that I was um, getting enough calories because I was working out doing these rigorous uh, CrossFit-esque uh, workouts. I, I have to say CrossFit-esque because uh, I don't have like a full rig or a barbell. So I've been using kettlebells, dumbbells, and, and weight plates. But um, I just wanted to make sure I was getting enough calories in versus calories out. And so I had a meeting with my dietitian. She was like, have you ever considered going plant-based? And I said, I can do it. So she challenged me to do it for a week. And that week (laughs) turned into like, I don't know, four or five months. So um, I'm not completely plant-based. Like I still have dairy, but um, everything else. Yeah. Giving up, giving up animal protein. So here we are. So I've been trying out new cooking uh, recipes um, using what's in season. And so that's been really fun and really challenging to do. Yeah. And that's awesome. I mean, and I guess... (laughs) A follow-up question on that, just out of personal curiosity, because yeah. I have this conversation with my wife all the time, because yeah. she like, she's, I, and I appreciate it. She tries a lot of these things, but tends to not like them more often than not. But like, mm-hmm. I don't mind where it's like the faux chicken, the you know, like the meatless burgers or whatever, you know, like Impossible sure. Burgers and stuff like that. Where do you fall on that? Can't like, because it's just like an interesting like paradigm that yeah. like. I feel like probably is like indicative of America of like, well, I'm going to go vegetarian, but I, I still want like faux bacon, faux burgers, faux like. But it's like we could just have like tofu like it's just fascinating to me like i i appreciate all of those things and i like them but it like it kind of like got into my head of just like well why do we need plant-based tofu protein whatever formed into the shape of things that are like animal proteins or whatever like it's like a trick i guess or something but like where do you fall on that camp like do you keep it pretty much like all like veggies or do you do stuff like impossible meat and that kind of stuff uh i refuse to buy them because and here's, here's <laughs> well here's my reasoning is because i think they're overly processed products right right right, right. um and if the whole point is to eat less processed things <laughs> why are you going out and buying them? like i can make my own black bean burger that's fine but mm-hmm. yeah i don't really have the desire and i think it's i think it's really all psychological like chicken nuggets right i love chicken nuggets i was always a fan but to eat to kind of trick your mind into thinking that you're eating a chicken nugget is is rude (laughs) (laughs) um so no i don't i don't do kind of those uh beyond burgers or anything like that i stick with um things that are natural so lentils black beans quinoa mash them into a burger with breadcrumbs and mm-hmm. stick to that so and they, they've come yeah. out pretty tasty um you know the hardest part of going vegetarian was telling my mother <laughs> <laughs> because i told her over the phone and she was like no more chicken cutlets my mother being very like uh, has a makes delicious Italian food. So that means no more chicken parm, no more meatballs, no more sausage and peppers. And so it like broke her heart, but she supports it, but it broke her heart. <laughs> right. Yeah. She's like, I gotta go back to the drawing board for like all my recipes. I know. Sorry, um, ma. <laughs> yeah. Whoops. Um, that, that is, yeah, it's interesting. Cause I think like, that is the thing where like, if somebody were to eat like, cause I think it came up a lot where, um, when like Burger King had like their, yeah, like their impossible Whopper or whatever. Um, cause it's the idea of like, Oh great. Like plant-based it's good for you. It's like, well, I mean, it is like 
better for you, like relatively and also like more sustainable. But if you were just to eat that every day, like that's not good either. Like it's no. like, it is like very processed. So it's like not necessarily like, uh, the best option if you were to like, you know, rate everything obviously in terms of your personal health. But, um, for me, it's like, I, I don't mind them. So I, I'll, yeah. <laughs> typically like if i have the option it's like oh could i get a burrito just with like impossible meat you know from a yep. you know from a restaurant or something it's like oh, i'm just gonna do that i don't want to eat you know beef or whatever you know so it's like i'll just do that to me it tastes pretty much the same especially if you're like seasoning it well and all that so right. um, moderation and all things i guess if, <laughs> uh, if anyone's inclined towards those so um that's uh that's great yeah and i guess yeah. i was also <laughs> curious on like the the coffee stuff too because I, I feel like that's been like a geekdom that i've known of yours <laughs> uh, for some time so um I guess, yeah, like what, what I guess have you been like tinkering with, with that? I don't know, like, uh, I forget if I guess if you're into like making your own like cold brew or you're like more hot coffee person, any of that kind of stuff. But I guess, yeah, just uh, digging deeper with that. A little oh, bit. yeah. So, um, before all of this hit, I took a homebrew coffee class from a local shop here in Buffalo and they gave me, um, kind of the breakdown of, uh, different things that could really affect your coffee. So it's like, using bottled water as opposed to tap water um mm. you should never use distilled water um and they make these actually little tablets to put in your distilled water to, i don't know what they do but see again i don't mess with that so um you know and then they do ratios so your actual ground size to your wa water ratio is very mm. interesting water temperature there's a different um brewing method for cold brew versus an ice pour over which is fascinating so yeah it's been really fun just kind of tinkering around with different um with different coarse grinds and how that affects the flavor and the taste of coffee yeah and that's i've been like intimidated by that so as much no. as i'm like a dedicated amateur with like craft beer and I, you know i tried a lot of different stuff and you know i'm always a uh, inclined towards like you know exploring that world with coffee i've, I've tried to get started with like oh like, like let me make my own uh, cold brew at home and like the grinds and the type of coffee and whatever but i've like not found the right system and the right kind of coffee that i like the flavor of and like it either like takes forever or doesn't yeah. taste right or like <laughs> i'm just like oh boy like because i would love to be able to do it so i, I figure eventually I, I will get there but you will get um, there it just takes yeah. a lot of practice don't think that every cup of coffee i produce is like amazing it definitely <laughs> right, um right. like i have a bag of caribou coffee there we go and i like caribou like you know out of the chain system they're probably in the top three that i really enjoy so um i noticed that i can put it on a more coarse ground but it gram quality oh this is another thing i weigh everything now so i weigh my grams of mm. of um of bean to water or whatever else but um i've noticed that the caribou it takes a lot more to get to that number of gram that i want than any other coffee that i have so it's very fascinating it's science yeah. <laughs> and oh, yeah know, yeah <laughs> and i'll tell you what the delonga coffee so the whipped coffee i didn't have a good time with that <laughs> I was yeah. not a fan. <laughs> yeah, my wife did. Um, uh, Chrissy Teigen has like this uh, recipe for uh, Thai iced coffee, which oh, yeah. she uh, really enjoys. It's just like instant coffee, cool it, and put like condensed milk and whole milk. And Ooh, just yeah. Um, so she's enjoyed that. Yeah, that sounds um, delicious and very indulgent. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, she's ended up now just like using the instant. Like she doesn't make it every single day, but like right. she'll just use the instant coffee if she's like, uh, you know, wants a cup of coffee. But. Um, 
So I guess then as we uh, wrap up, anything really quick um, that you are reading, watching, and or listening to that they give a shout out to that we can include in the show notes? I'm literally watching too much. Um, so <laughs> I'm going back and watching things like series that I've never fully finished. So um, mm-hmm. I've actually never watched The West Wing before. <laughs> or house of cards or scandal i think i got through season one of scandal and then stopped so i'm going back and watching that so um you know not so much uh listening um reading i'm waiting on some books from the library so i haven't been able to to get a book but i did the last one i did finish was um the newer um hunger games oh gosh i can't remember the title but it was a very different perspective of the hunger games and it was really Mm -hmm. fascinating so i when i get you the title because my mind is blanking right now but um it was very good that was the last book i read awesome but yeah um what's really interesting though shout out to new york state because you as a member of as a member as someone who lives in new york state you can apply and get a library card to the new york public library which is great so i can use the new york city public library now Mm. and not just the buffalo public libraries it's amazing and i love it i just got my library card the other day from them yeah yeah, so, more um, books. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, cool. Well, I'll link out to uh, that stuff in the show notes. And it's funny. I guess it's all sort of like a common theme for all those things you're watching of like political intrigue and whatever. Oh, it's like yeah. a palate cleanser of like, oh, I've got too much West Wing. Let me get a house of cards and then like bounce around. It's like all kind of uh, the it's same great. world, which is uh, just yeah. give me more. I'm also embarrassed to talk about my like trash TV that I love, but I mean, I guess I might as well shout it out. 90 Day Fiance has just been the highlight <laughs> of this quarantine, a lot, and I'm so happy Big Brother is back. Mm-hmm. Big Brother, I know, Dustin, you're just I can hear you. Yeah. I yeah, it's not for me. Again, my wife enjoys all that, so like she'll yeah. do a lot of like House Hunters and all this stuff, all those types of shows. So 90 Day Fiance is the worst right. show, but it's also the biggest train wreck ever and i love it <laughs> yeah um, okay I'm done. i guess that that's yeah like that's i guess maybe the palate cleanser of like you know i was like oh man like really engaged in the narrative of west wing and then it's like all right let me watch a couple episodes of 90 day fiance like you know uh, clear my head and then um, the house of cards or something if like anybody out there is listening um and wants to talk about 90 day fiance please let me know because nobody else wants to talk about it <laughs> Hey, nobody else wants to admit watching like i know you watch it i know yeah, somebody else does. there has to be yeah. more than me just watching it out there so <laughs> or else it wouldn't oh, still man. be on <laughs> uh, well then uh yeah we'll wrap up here so i guess i don't know if there's you know any of the things um made the books forthcoming or just other stuff in your life uh we always like to end the shows on an optimistic note so anything or things uh that you are looking forward to uh generally in your life for the world or anything yeah that you'd you know i actually requested some uh pto so personal time off um mm-hmm. for, for september and i am going into the finger lakes region got a cabin gonna go hiking with my dog honestly i know it's weird but you know to take time off even though i'm working from home that's still time on um because i am working so i'm really looking forward to just turning everything off and enjoying nature um you know i haven't been able to get out to many state parks uh, over the past few months so september it is so i'm really excited that is a very good uh yeah i mean like i feel like i've been hearing so much more about being like people 
advocating for folks to, to take their okay. uh, time off, even though you're at home all the time. And that sounds like a, a great use of that time is to just like literally like get away from everything and just, uh, you know, refresh and recharge and everything. So that is, yes. uh, that is very awesome. And an interesting thing about the Finger Lakes is that they have a lot of wineries. So that will be even better. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's at least, yeah, like something to kind of like work towards. Like, yep, we're going to go hiking, do all that, like put in that work and then just relax with the, yeah, like some good wine. Because um, you, can't, you can't spell <laughs> wine without win. <laughs> <laughs> there you go there you go um, no because it's like that that's like what my uh my wife and i will often do it's like we might be like walking all over like a city or something when we're visiting and then we just like you know make it all sort of end at a brewery or something you know yeah um, it's like a good good place to like hang out and kind of just put your feet up and that sort of thing so yeah um yeah excited for you to, to have that to look forward to and uh, just appreciate you so much again for for hanging out here and sharing all that you did about your journey um i know it's gonna be super helpful and relevant to a lot of folks out there so um, yeah, just thank you so much for your time. I'll let you share. Thank you, Dustin. It's been fun. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode of the Higher Ed Geek Podcast.